Welcome everyone to the second ever Slap Socks Live here on YouTube Live. Nate and I are super pumped to be here again this week at 5 p.m. Eastern time every single Monday. We gather a list of questions from you guys, the viewers and audience, and we go through and answer them um, on, here on YouTube Live. So Nate, thanks for joining me for another week. Yeah, I'm excited. Excited to be here. And if you're new here, um, we did get these questions beforehand, but if you want to ask a question, you can make a donation and ask a question. Uh, if you do want to get our attention to, to answer one in the midst of all these different questions we gathered throughout the week. So Nate, let's kick it off here with the first question that we have, and it is from Duane T. Dwayne T. Dwayne, 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 Dwayne T. Different, Dwayne. different way to spell it. What is yeah, the best well, it's not but, not Dwayne Wade's way, but it's still Dwayne. Yeah. Hey, I got it in the second chance. What is the best long-term Mbappe card to invest in? 2017 Tops Chrome says I do prefer prefer a parallel or a parallel from his 2018 optic. And is Tops Chrome beginning to look like the set investors are moving to as an iconic set, not Prism World Cup? So I pulled up on the screen here two separate sales that happened decently recently, actually within the last week, um, which is recently. And the Topps Chrome Purple number dot 250 from Champions League Topps Chrome sold for $1,400. The 2018 Optic Red Velocity number dot 50 PSA 10 sold for $1,640. So what we're seeing here is a 2017 card, which is Mbappe's rookie from Champions League, rookie card. I know that people can go and talk about rookie sticker, but we're focusing on rookie cards. And then the Optic is not a rookie card because if it was in the Optic set, it would say rated rookie on it. This one does not. It, it, it is also a PSG card. Um, but the way I see it is that Topps Chrome is a far superior set for Mbappe cards versus Optic. Um, it is one of his rookie sets. Optic is not. And as you can see here, the prices show because a PSA 10 with a lower numbered card sold for only a little bit more than the non-graded um, of the Topps Chrome Rookie Purple. If that was a PSA 10, it'd go for far over $1,640, probably over $3,000. And then also uh, talking about the Prism comparison there was that, um, the, ooh, one second here, bear with me. There we go. So I, I pulled up a BGS9 red numbered out of 149 from 2018 Prism. There is no rookie logo on this either because Panini didn't introduce the rookie logo yet. But this is his first Prism card, Mbappe. This is his first Prism World Cup card. And he did win the World Cup that year. But numbered out of 149 is lower than out of 250. It's a BGS9, but it only sold for a little bit more. Um, it was a week or 11 days beforehand. The way I see it is that Prism World Cup is probably the most well-known Mbappe card. Um, rookie card. I know that some people say it's not a rookie. It is a rookie. Um, but to me, if I'm choosing between these two sets, I'm probably going to try to either hedge my bet on both because I love Topps Chrome with the basketball um, influence for sure. But right now, Prism is the modern day uh, superpower when it comes to Chrome brands because Topps Chrome really doesn't have much coming out other than baseball anymore. And they used to have football as well. But if I'm choosing between the two, I think I might go with the World Cup just because he did win a, you know, the World Cup in the actual set. It is the Prism brand. It's more current for what the soccer cards are, you know, the most powerful brand right now. But I think it's a really close call. I would, I guess what I'd try to say is that leave Optic behind. Um, go Tops Chrome and Prism if you are trying to choose between which two sets are the best. Optic is a nice value buy, though, as well. 
And then we have another soccer question following right up here. This, there's not many soccer questions throughout this, but the first two are. So bear with us if you are basketball, football, and baseball fans. Um, what are your thoughts on Bowman MLS soccer? Would you rip or hold sealed? What players are solid rookies in Bowman MLS? I heard Aaron's son is going to Europe. So let me just say, I know absolutely nothing about the MLS other than, other than that Zlatan played here last year uh, for the Galaxy. And this guy obviously is selling for a ton, though. This product just came out. It's a Tops On Demand set. It came in a box. It's reselling on eBay for around $35 a box, uh, the sealed product. But this dude's base card is selling for $50, non-graded, as of yesterday. His blue out of $150, this is all paper, by the way. This is not a Chrome product. It's selling for $125, and the gold numbered out of $50 is selling for $225. Clearly, a really hot card for people in the Bowman MLS market. How many people are actually out there trying to find Bowman MLS? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm just showing that there is a market for this guy and the seal boxes at $35. Should you rip or hold them? I'd probably just sell them if you can get profit out right now. I don't really think that the MLS is much of an expansion area in soccer. Um, there's so much other stuff that people can watch and buy that has much superior, you know, many superior players. But if this particular guy goes to Europe and has a great career, um, his first cards out there in a Bowman market where people can relate to Bowman, that might be an un- underrated thing I'm not looking at is that Bowman really doesn't have any soccer cards out there. But for baseball guys, maybe they want to jump in on it. But just covering some of the market there on the MLS soccer. Next question is actually from the same person, Ziggy. No, what are your thoughts on exclusive licenses in the hobby? Um, just a quick recap here, then I'll let Nate take the floor to answer this, or and I'll give my thoughts too. Is that Tops and Panini used to really have shared licenses when it came to basketball and football, and even some baseball products? I want to say from back in the day, um, they could create products for the sports at the same time, put them out. You had Tops Chrome football and Prism football in the same year. Uh, one year you had Tops Chrome basketball and National Treasures basketball, where Tops had the logos on the cards and even their jerseys for the current players, not the rookies that year, um, for basketball in 2009. But now what it is is there's basically one brand gets a sport. Tops is baseball, Panini is football and basketball. Uh, hockey's been dominated by upper deck, but Panini has been starting to make cards just without the jerseys or the license or the logos or the, even the team names um, for hockey. But, Nate, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this? Do you like it? Do you not like it? What's the pros? What's the cons? Uh, for me, I think it's twofold. Um, on the on the pro side, you have, you know, a, a you're not getting the 1990s again where every company can make every sport. And so you have a thousand different choices for baseball, a thousand different choices for basketball, a thousand different choices for hockey. Right. So that's positive. Um, But on the other side of the spectrum, you have, you know, people complain a lot about Panini, this Panini points, uh, you know, reward points in the hobby boxes and um, the quality control on the retail boxes that came out before the hobby boxes came out for prism this year was terrible. And the centering was atrocious and I think you can probably combat some of that by having more players in the uh, game being able to make basketball cards. So you're like, oh, you know, I don't really like 2019 Prism. It's a trash card this year. I'm going to move to 2019 Tops basketball uh, by that. Um, so it's twofold. I think overall, I appreciate that it's a, a one on, you know, a one Tops for baseball, Panini for basketball, um, so that we just don't have a ridiculous overproduction of. Uh, product even though it's kind of it's kind of getting there but people still know what to buy and what to not touch yeah it's interesting because i've heard people say before that 
uh, the actual leagues regulate how many products they have to put out each year. I don't know the truth. I don't know the number to that. I've heard over 30 for basketball. I'm sure it's went up in the near or in the past, the recent years. Um, but I do, there's, there's obviously pros and cons to both. I do agree with you that it's easier for people to understand when you don't have all these different sets from each brand. And it's like, do you like tops Chrome? Do you like prison basketball? That's the easiest one to debate, but then you can add in all the extra sets that people don't care about. And that starts to get really muddy from there. But I do like the point that you said, not even as a consumer being able to choose between tops Chrome and Panini prism. If Panini has got terrible quality control that year, but it really makes the manufacturers up their game. If there is a tops Chrome in the marketplace, it makes Panini think about, Hey, we need to make sure we're putting out the best possible product. Can't have any errors. Um, I saw some really atrocious errors this year in Spectra football. I saw patch cards that didn't even have patches in it. I saw like Justin Herbert Ooh. patch autos that had 49ers patches in it. Um, some really, really bad stuff was happening over there. A lot of quality control mistakes. And that was in like the first day of opening product. Um, I'm sure there's a lot you know, more that's going out there with bad quality control. But it, it would be nice, I think, to see extra companies making cards. I, I you know, We don't want the 90s where there's just like a couple cards from each brand and then it's just so there's nothing that really sticks with people and it's just too much. But I think that there's a happy medium between, you know, if there's top scoring basketball and prison basketball at the same time, that'd be fun to run some market analysis and compare the two and see where people are buying. I'd be fun for myself. And that leads into our next question is what do you support a petition to commissioners of leagues to award multiple licenses in future agreements? Because a lot of this is due to, um, the the bargaining between the card companies and the actual league offices and you know what what's the money like and how much product can they put out like I was saying um, Nate what do you support a petition to, to, to sign for multiple licenses for different uh, manufacturers um, well I put this one in because I thought it was funny uh, because you, you uh, if you're on Twitter you see these pop up all the time hey sign this you know uh, what's the what's the petition website called I don't know. I, I know what you're talking about, but I don't uh, know the website. Somethingchange.org or votechange.org or uh, change. Maybe it's just change.org. <laughs> um, but, you know, these petitions never go anywhere. Nobody ever cares about these petitions. You could get a million people to sign a petition uh, and the MLB would just be like, nah, Tops has the agreement and we don't care what you want. So, um it's I, just it's I, one of those things that, that it probably doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. What? As I say, I get that it probably isn't that like it doesn't matter if you sign it or not, but just for the thought of it, like what do you support having multiple licenses? Y- yes, I would. Uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, I think I would because of this comment right here. I used to be able to buy all the brands for the price of Panini. Uh, if you have extra brands, you know, Panini can't put their Prism uh, hobby boxes at $500, $600, $700. You know, distributors can't mark it up because you'll just move on to the next one. So, uh, Mitch, thank you for that comment. That did sway me right there live. Uh, Prices matter. And without competition, you can just gouge people for their hard-earned money uh, left and right. So, yeah, I guess I would support it. Yeah, and thank you, Mitch, for that uh, live comment right there that Nate was able to read off. If, if you guys are in the live comments or if you're new here, please uh, be welcome to comment in the live stream and help others learn while we are trying to answer these questions because there's so much to cover and we really appreciate you guys helping others as well. And if you are new here as well, please hit, hit the subscribe button if you guys want to hear from us more and also more of this live stream. We're really excited that you're here hey, to join us. 
uh, Dwayne is in the uh, comments over here, so you should say sorry for butchering his name. Hey, I'm sorry for butchering the name to start, but I did get it before Nate had to comment on it. So at least I was in the right mindset before Nate had to say something. But thank you so much, Dwayne, for for joining for sure. Um, I my thoughts on this is that I would for sure sign an agreement because I love Topps Chrome, and it would just be I want to get my hands on Topps Chrome basketball, maybe a little Topps Chrome football if I could get some Jonathan Taylor Topps Chrome football this year. That'd be awesome. Uh, but also, like Nate said, more competition can only be healthy to help drive innovation and make sure that uh, the customer service is top notch. I think that it definitely hurts some companies not having that drive behind them in certain times. Uh, but it'd be nice to see some tops and panini duels in uh, in the same sport to see who puts out the best products, different price points. Uh, it can only help you know people, I'd think. At least. I think I mean, they would. You know, we've seen some innovations with like Tops Chrome Sapphire. Uh, stuff like that, but I think it would help them even innovate even more into cooler and cooler product. Definitely agree for sure. All right, moving on on to the next question. Thoughts on the possibility of Marvel cards slash DC cards, uh, for example, Batman eventually being hot in the market. And then the next question is about the Thanos card um, going from forty dollars in a PSA ten to two hundred dollars in a PSA ten over the last month. And that's from Just Call Me Vino. So I did some research into this. I will say I knew nothing about Marvel cards heading into the live stream today, uh, seeing this question. I did some research before it, so I knew a little bit about it that I could talk about. Um, the Thanos card that he's referencing is on the screen right here, number 79 from 1990, Metal, uh, sorry, Marvel Universe. And if you look at the pop report, there's only 24 graded cards of this. And I guarantee you that was not a super low supply card because I went to eBay and you could buy these things non-graded for like a couple bucks. So $3 to get one right now. Centering is terrible on it. But still, it's not like that this is a, a super scarce card. It's just under submitted because it wasn't worth anything. Um, now it's up to $200, over $200. The last PWCC auction sold for around $225, I want to say. But these cards, I really just do not know if there's any market for them. I do know that Marvel also made like PMGs from in the 90s. Uh, if you guys know them from basketball, they're huge cards. They made some PMGs, precious metal gems for Marvel cards as well. But something I found interesting here on this Thanos or Thanos, Nate, how do you say it? I, I Thanos. All right, Thanos, that's right. All right, is that that PWCC auction sold for 225 All of the bidding history was hidden because it says private listing bidders identity uh, protected. I'm thinking this is the first one that came up for sale in like a long time, just because there's not that many in the pop report. Cause I don't think that many people really cared about them. And it went up for sale with private bidding. And we have no idea if any of this was actually like legit or not. And I know it's also hard to tell if stuff is shilled um, in the consignments because people can ha have high bid percents for the consigners like PWCC and probe scene. But it, it's a little curious to me to see a card shoot up to over $200 that not that many people may have previously cared about. I do understand, though, that stuff in the sports card, non-sports card market is just going through a really big revolution to where, you know, it's Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! and Marvel now and anything that people think that has value or can drive future value because people like what it is. There's so many fans out there of Pokemon and Marvel. It's two of the biggest franchises in the world. It makes sense why people would want to go to these cards, but I just don't know how much of a market was even there in the first place. With Pokemon, at least we knew that tons of people have been collecting the cards for the last 20 plus years, buying, selling them, playing the game, trading them, grading them. With this, it's just like, I don't even know if anything was there before now. And now this Thanos goes for a ton. 
Well, I, you know, it, it's definitely got to do with the fact that the movies came out and yeah, blew, I agree. You know, blew away all sorts of records for box office dollars and this and that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with that, and I, and I, I see why it could have risen in price, but at the same time, it's just like, I guess going forward, I just. And there's not even really that many new cards being produced. And I know that there are some new cards, but nothing that's like a really like home run set to where people actually like know about it and chase it. Unless I'm just super naive about it and I'm missing it. Um, if I am, like I said, jump in the comments, jump in the live stream, fill us in on on Marvel. But uh, is there something there? There could be because it's a huge brand. It's a huge uh, franchise. And, you know, Disney owns it. So we could see some things happening. But, you know, right now it doesn't seem like a huge market to me um, if you know, one of these cards is worth $200 and there's really low pop, but there's high supply out there. Not the many graded. Yeah. Hey, there's a question in the, uh, or there's a question in the comments over here from our uh, hobby box prices being lowered. If there's more competition earlier and it's uh, what about dynasty? That stuff is coming out at over $500 a box over $2,000 a case. Most of the cards are worth less than a hundred dollars. Last year it was $300. I'd just like to point out that I've thought this for a while. Uh, high end tops products. Are atrocious, uh, not worth the money. You see it, every, people all every year going in and buying um, the high-end tops products, but nobody ever makes their money back uh, unless you hit a massive, massive, massive like Fernando Tatis one hundred and one or something out of Dynasty from last year. Uh, you're not making your money back, so I would just stay away from it completely. Yeah, you're, you're literally going in on it to hit like a logo man or a tag patch of Trout or. Aaron Judge or Tatis or Acuna, you know, one of those types of players. But what's the hit rate on that for the gamble? That's five hundred dollars a box. It never made sense to me. I think the tops, they've and the other thing is that they haven't been able to determine what's their best high end brand. They put out so many in the last couple of years between five star, definitive, dynasty. I'm sure there's a couple others I'm forgetting about off the top of my head, but it's just you know, National Treasures and Immaculate for Panini, and people love it. And they really, you know, value it and want to trade it. And the rookies are really worth a ton out of those. Um, I just don't see it with Topps high end. And I thought Top, I really thought that this last year, the Topps dynasty, the rookie patch autos of you know guys like Tatis and Vlad and Cunha and all those dudes, um, that they could do really well. And I get that they're worth money. I'm not saying they're not worth money, but you also have to think about what's the value of the box. And if the box value is five hundred dollars, and your Tatis RPA is worth like five hundred dollars, is it really that sought after of a card? Um, yeah. that that's where I'm at. Nate, thanks for bringing uh, that up. The card collector says high end tops are for breakers, and while that is true, there's a lot of there's a lot of high end tops that goes to just straight to breakers. Uh, I worked in a card shop for three months, and I for sure saw people buy top, high end tops. Um, so while most of it does go there, it still doesn't mean that not a, uh, everyone will just go to their you know local breaker to or online to you know, buy their favorite team to try to get those cards. They'll still buy boxes and still lose money. So that's what we're trying to spare people from. Mm -hmm. All right. Do you think the big three will adapt slash improve their holders to accommodate slash fit stickers and why, and wouldn't that be a game changer in some way? So if you look here, um, peeps who submitted this question actually submitted this photo as well. Maybe one of his cards or his or her cards. And uh, it's a Thomas Mueller sticker from 2009 panini fc Bayern munich and you can see i know it's kind of hard because it's a white border sticker on the clear case but the sticker does not fit the holder so the sticker is maybe like fitting up 
I don't know, 75, 80% of the holder and it can move around it, can shake. I know that there's a lot of problems with people on stickers and they're not exactly perfect fits, which they're not. And no company actually really does a good job about it. I mean, no SGC, uh, I don't think that they do it really a good job about it either. I know BGS, they have a little bit of a better uh, sticker process because I think that they have those sleeves that go into their hard cases. So maybe they don't shift around as much, but would it be a game changer for people buying stickers? Do you think more people would buy stickers? Probably not. Like, honestly, like, I don't think I'd actually sit there. And if I want an Mbappe sticker rookie really badly from 2016, I don't think I'd say to myself, dang, I'm not going to buy this because the holder isn't a perfect fit. And then I have to wait like five years from to maybe make a perfect fit holder. And then I buy it. I just don't think that people would actually sit there and say it to themselves if they actually want the card in a PSA 9, PSA 10. I think that they just buy it. So I don't really see how it would do something big for the sticker market. I think more is to be done with, uh, you know, as people actually want to buy the stickers themselves. Oh, wait. So we have a live chat here, actually, that adds to this discussion. All slabs are meant to be stacked. Don't know how you would stack stickers on top of cards of different size. So I think what Peeps is saying is that the actual inside of the case where the sticker is being held would be a different size. Now, I guess I can't say for sure um, that if he meant if it was the full case or the inside of the case to fit it perfectly, um, one of the two. But yes, you're right. I think that if stickers and and uh, cards were slabbed in two different sizes, that'd be weird because you couldn't stack them. I agree with that. But I do. it makes more sense to me to, to switch to the inside dimensions to hold the sticker better than switch to the outside dimensions of the case to just shrink it down. Especially with that, with stickers, there's. I guess that this is another thing to consider. With stickers, there's so many different sizes. You've got the thin cut horizontal ones, like the Mbappe sticker. You've got the thicker ones that are like uh, Ansu Fati. You've got the Erling Holland, which is like a little square. Um, lots of different things to consider there. Got a live chat here. Fave card shop near Madison, Wisco. I was just there this weekend. I stopped at Jim's Card Corner. Um, it's on University Ave, if you know where that is, uh, in Madison. And that is one of the only shops in town, actually. I used to go to a different one when I went to school there. I think it closed. I did not see it the last time I was driving. It was on park before. Um, but Jim's Card Corner is pretty cool. He's got some new product in there. Um, I went in to stop to see if they had the new Vivid Voltage from Pokemon, but he didn't yet. It's coming out next week, I think. Um, but yeah, cool place. I mean, that's probably the only place to go if you were to. What do you think of 1998 Vince Carter rookie cards, top slash tops Chrome? He just retired and is a well-liked player plus future Hall of Famer. It also seemed like he played with half the team in the leagues. So so he gathered a lot of fans along the way too. Uh, I pulled up the PSA 9 tops Chrome rookie price on screen. August 19th is going for 180. November 1st is down to $90. Of course, this trends with the basketball market. Uh, basketball dipped after the bubble ended and as more people got eliminated, the team shrunk down. Um, and then now recently, tomorrow's Sam Dunk's video, I'll actually be sitting in for Sam doing a basketball market uh, analysis video, but we've seen more demand go back to these top basketball cards over the last week. Will we see it with guys like Vince Carter, Kobe, Tim Duncan, Dirk Nowitzki, all those other legends? Uh, we might. I don't know. I mean, if you're playing for the Hall of Fame game, it's obviously going to be at least five years. I don't know if I'd put $90 in the Vince Carter right now just because I think there's other places in the marketplace you can make money on faster. But if you're a fan of Vince Carter and just want to hold it for long term, why not? He's a legend. He's really, you know, obviously a great player and had some sweet dunk contests too. Nate, got any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, it's weird to me how the, I understand the basketball market going down because the basketball stopped being played. Um, teams were getting eliminated. Makes sense. 
it's weird to me how a guy who's retired, I know he played on the Hawks this year, but the Hawks weren't playing in the bubble. Um, so for all intents and purposes, he was retired at that point when this August 19th car was bought. Uh, it's weird that that also went down, like the whole basketball card market, even though guys that weren't playing, you know, shouldn't realistically see their prices go down. That yeah. makes sense. No, I, I agree because Kobe's price has dropped a lot too on his uh, high supply cards like the Topps base rookie PSA 10, PSA 9. Uh, definitely dropped down to PSA 9, I think around $350, $400, and that was up to $900, $1,000. Um, so we did see a big drop there too. And that just really is the overall basketball marketplace, I guess, getting stagnant and people's not being as interested. But like we've been saying, uh, I've already been seeing it now. Hype is starting to build in some of these card prices, and as the season gets closer, it'll continue to build. And as the season actually gets announced, when the day's coming back, um, we'll see a lot more people jumping back into basketball, uh, coming back from those other marketplaces that they might have been playing in in the meantime, and when there has been no basketball. And also, I see we have 75 live viewers, so thank you everyone who is here right now listening to us talk about these Q&As. I really appreciate that. If you want to hit the like button, it helps us get this video out to other people on YouTube who are interested in sports cards and can join up and uh, talk about sports cards in our in our live stream here. And you know, anyone that's in here, feel free to make comments in the live feed as well. And we thank you guys for being here, of course. With the recent sales of Sabrina Prism-based rookie cards, what are your ex expectations for top rookies in upcoming Prism releases like Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, then eventually basketball like Edwards and Mello, meaning Anthony Edwards and Lamella Ball in 2020-2021 Prism? Um, a little bit of a uh, something for you to think about is that Prism football doesn't come out until I want to say mid to late December, early January for the new 2020 Prism football Prison basketball doesn't come out until March, so there's a long wait between there. But the Sabrina uh, Ionescu rookie card is the first big rookie that dropped in a while for the Prison brand. Um, like a new rookie, she is you know Kobe's protege, as they say, and people even list it in the title of their listings. Uh, but we see some really strong prices here, even a week after a week after the um. You know the the product release four hundred dollars on the purple number dot one twenty five fifty five in the base one twenty five in the silver those are strong and if you think about it do we think that all the other guys that were named in the in the question Joe Burrow Tua uh, Anthony Edwards and Lamelo Ball do we think they're all going to be higher than Sabrina now because of a new release uh, Nate what are your thoughts on that Ooh you catching me off guard here um, <laughs> you're all good. No, 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 no. I, I, I was thinking about it, but, but I wasn't yeah. expecting to have to uh, explain my thinking. Um, I do think Burrow, Burrow and Tua will be higher, for mm -hmm. sure, especially after this past weekend. I know the Dolphins' defense and special teams had a lot to do with them performing really well, but Tua still started, and they performed well. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, Edwards and Mello – uh, they are two guys in a weak draft class that are probably going to go within the top five. Whereas uh, Sabrina Ionesco is the top young women's basketball player in the league. Uh, top she was basketball, college basketball player of all time up there. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if you guys watch her at Oregon, she was amazing. Um, they had uh, ESPN highlights about her all the time. And I'm sure that hype is just going to continue for her specifically, but not really most other women basketball players. Um, so it, it's hard for me to see maybe Mello because he's got the whole his dad and Lonzo and stuff. But Anthony Edwards, I don't know. 
I don't know if he's going to be fifty dollars a card. Yeah, I I don't I don't see it with Anthony Edwards. I am not saying I don't see it from a basketball perspective. Uh, him playing the NBA, I'm just saying card market wise, I don't see him gaining that big of a market unless he goes to who would be number is the Warriors picking number two this year. So I guess you know if he does go to the Warriors, that will definitely help a ton for the hype. Lamelo to the Timberwolves doesn't help as much, but I guess. I guess another thing that's going on here is that Sabrina, this is the first Prism WNBA ever. I think there's a lot of people out there who really want to support the WNBA and getting cards because they haven't had many Panini-produced cards in recent years at all. They had 2019 Donruss. This is their first Prism line. And I, I do think that this particular Sabrina rookie logo card, Ionescu, is going to be extremely hot four years to come i'm not saying that's going to hold the price here i can see as more of this gets ripped more supply gets put into the market break or ship their cards to the people that are getting them from breaks that these prices go down just happens in markets as products come out but i do think people are going to actually constantly want to get sabrina ionescu uh rookie rookie cards as for lamella ball i can see lamella being more than 50 joe burrow and Tua for sure are going to be more worth more than 50 if you think about Kyler, his peak to like a hundred some dollars for Raw. Um, I think that Burrow and Tua are extremely exciting players, just like Kyler. I think a lot of people are going to want to get their hands on the new 2020 Prism because I think that they are a little, like a little drive for good football products. We have Mosaic out there and select our XRC rookies for some like and, really and Donruss. Donruss is out there. Yeah, there's Donruss, which has the optic uh, preview in it, which is really cool and stuff. But I think people are starved for that, you know, really big brand to come out for football yeah. this year. There's no contenders yet. There's no national treasures. There's no immaculate. That first prison release, I think, is going to be crazy, and they will for sure be higher. Uh, take they, a quick pause here. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say in the chat, there's one that's highlighted green. I'm not 100% yeah. sure why. No, I got but, it. So, so Michael yeah. Brown here was so kind to submit a $5 super chat for us to ask a question. I really appreciate that, Michael. Uh, Nate and I, for sure, and the Slapstacks team appreciate it, of course. And isn't Vince Carter in a league where championships drive the prices more than stats? Nate, what do you got? Um, Well, yeah. <laughs> but, but also, uh, if you're – yeah. Yeah. Why? I, it's just it's, – it's – it's narrative more than stats for the NBA, right? Yeah. But it's also narrative more than stats in baseball. Yeah, I agree. But the, the thing that you think about in, in basketball is literally like they they pick apart Jordan and LeBron between just rings. You know, like yeah. literally everyone that talks about a Jordan-LeBron debate, if you're for Jordan, it's because he is 6-0 in the finals. If you're for LeBron, he's got a ton of stats, which is and obviously and is amazing on the court. And finals and four rings. Yeah, exactly. So Which he's got. I don't understand how people can fault him for, you know, if you get to the finals and you're the second best team in the NBA six times and the best team in the NBA four times, that's pretty good considering Michael Jordan played more than six years in the NBA. Yeah, I agree. I'm not. I'm not faulting him at all for that. Um, yeah. When it comes to Vince Carter, are people going to be like, oh, he didn't snag some finals rings, so he's not? Shouldn't be a Hall of Famer, you know, shouldn't be worth well, not shouldn't be a Hall of Famer, but shouldn't be worth a ton. I don't think that people will think about Vince Carter when it comes to that. I think a lot of people think about Vince Carter for you know how exciting he was on the court, his longevity in the league, what he did for other players. And I think that people are actually gonna really love Vince Carter cards. Think about his dunking. Myself. Well, yeah, that I mean that's what yeah. I mean too, is his his electric performance, I should say. Um, but um, yeah, thank you so much for that, Michael Brown. You want to take a guess at how many teams Vince Carter played for? Oof, like nine? Nah, it's too many. Eight. 
Yeah, I was gonna say eight at first. Dang, that's close. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Also, uh, I I try to remember my best to say who submitted these questions. Will's cards twenty twenty submitted the Sabrina Ionescu question with uh, the Burrow and Tua along with it. Nate, you got this one. Hey, oh. Luis Robert top series two and Chrome rookies seem to really have taken a dive recently. Series two base can be had for ten to twelve dollars, and I just bought a Chrome refractor for under fifty. Robert was the most electric rookie this entire year. Is he? Is he one of the biggest must buys of the offseason at these prices and expect increase come spring training? Or do you expect them to fall lower because they were already high to begin with? Uh, still are. Um, so this is a weird year in baseball, as many know. And depending on how your player did, it's either he did really well, so his stats count, or he did poorly, and so it's a weird year, so it doesn't really count. You know, Christian Yelich's stats don't count because uh, he did poorly. Luis Roberts, first half of the year, his stats count because he was really good. His second half of the year, he was atrocious. Um, and I bring those two guys up because when you think of Luis Robert, Aaron, what do you say to yourself from this past year? I say to myself that he didn't – where he's – they didn't announce AL Rookie of the Year yet, right? No, but what do you, what yeah. do you think to yourself? You're probably thinking to yourself, yeah, Luis Robert, really good. Yeah. Would but, I be correct but, assuming that? Yeah, yeah, really good, really exciting player. It's just – yeah. Uh, when you think head. of Christian Yelich's last season, 2020 season, what do you think to yourself? Just abysmal, terrible. Yeah. Uh, Christian Yelich was 10% better hitter than Luis Robert was this year. Luis Robert had a 101 OPS plus to Christian Yelich's 111 OPS plus. And so what I'm trying to get at is that sometimes guys are just hyped up and because of age, um, people like, you know, are like, oh, you know, he's so good because he started out hot and then he's super young prospect status um, too and prospect status whereas like a guy like christian yelich doesn't match up his mvp seasons and all of a sudden he's a bust despite the fact that he was better than luis robert hitting wise um and then uh somebody brings up in the stat or in the chat uh xavier smith kyle lewis is a better buy xavier uh, uh kyle lewis had a 126 ops plus um, older than Luis Robert for sure, but Luis Robert was the only guy in top series two. Everyone else was trash, which also tops update. If you've looked at the rookie list, absolute trash, atrocious. The only guy that was a good rookie, uh, on cardboard connection or Beckett, whatever I was looking at was Trent Grisham, who already has a rookie card. So, uh, and it didn't say rookie debut. It said rookie, even though he's already got one. So, um, I different think, jersey. Maybe it's getting him in the Padres jersey. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But anyways, that's uh, off on a tangent. Um, I think the thing with Luis Robert is that he started out super high, like you said, because he was the only guy. He performed very well the first month of the season, and then fell off of a cliff, like Fernando Tatis, like Kyle Lewis, who we talked about, completely fell off of a cliff. And so it's really hard to judge who he is. Uh, is he an absolute star or is he a, you know, 101 OPS plus type of guy? I think he's probably better than that, but I don't think, you know, people are anointing him as the next great young player. And I don't think that's probably the case. He's got good defense. He hits massive tanks uh, and all that stuff, but, uh, and has speed, but he, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, 
I am really, I, I love, I love Luis Robert, but I think people overreacted to when he came out and you can see it here, $270 to $112. Uh, September 15th, I just took the middle of the month because that was the easiest thing to do, uh, to $115 here on October 28th, which was a couple days ago. Um, a good buy, yes, but I don't think, I think people are overestimating probably how good he is and expecting him to be like the next Ronald Acuna when I don't know if that's the case. Yeah, really quick. Because you're name shaming me earlier, so Mr. Smith here that asked the Kyle or said Kyle Lewis is a better buy. You pronounce his first name Chavi, and I learned that one over in Spain because my one of my professors spelt his name that way, and it's Chavi Catalan. Well, you learn something new every day, Chavi. <laughs> look at me, my bad. <laughs> All right, I did see we had 100 viewers in here, so with those people hit the like button. Thank you so much. It did put the the video out to more people. We really appreciate you guys helping support the channel. And we have a really important question here. This next one up from Ben Yu. So, silver PSA nine or base PSA ten? Uh, there was not a whole lot of context here with this question. I'm assuming it was Panini Prism is the topic, and it's easiest to debate between 2018 with Trey Young and Luka Doncic. So let's look at that. So Trey Young Silver PSA nine sold for $415 on October 29th. The base PSA ten is all all the way up to 480, 485 now on November 1st. So we're seeing the Prism Silver PSA nine selling for less than the base PSA ten. But if we look at Luka. The silver PSA nine is up to around two thousand, and the base are around thirteen hundred uh, to fourteen hundred right now. So clearly, we're seeing two different things here: lower silver nine for Trey, higher silver nine for Luca. If we check out the pop reports on PSACard.com, Luca's silver PSA nine around thirty seven hundred total graded, nineteen hundred tens. For Trey, there's eighteen hundred forty nine tens. 3361 total graded. So the silver are like super, super close for Trey and Luca. Uh, very close in, in graded population. For the uh base, though, there is 10,000 more Luca graded than Trey. That is a lot more, a ton more. And there's 7,000 more PSA 10s out there. So that is clearly, I think, in my opinion, why we are seeing this price discrepancy. Uh, there are so many more base out there for Luca PSA 10 that it's just so much supply that this price can't stay higher than the silver PSA nine. But for Trey, there's less supply out there. So the Trey PSA 10 is higher than the silver PSA nine. It's confusing to me because it's not like that. They ran the presses more on the loop or, or yeah, more on the Luca than on the Trey. but obviously more people are submitting them to get graded. Uh, so in my mind, I'm still kind of like, this is stupid. Why is a Trey PSA 10 base card? worth more than a silver PSA 9. The silver looks awesome. There's less of them out there by a long shot, and it's just a more investable card, in my opinion, uh, with low, lower supply. So if I'm sitting here saying, hey, what am I buying between silver 9 and P base PSA 10 for Trey? I'm going silver 9 all day. Luca, I'm still probably going silver 9 and paying the extra dollars. But another player to think about is Shea Gilgis Alexander. So his silver PSA 10, or sorry, the silver PSA 9, um, it's a super tough grade to even get a 10. So the nines are totally like very valuable, but the tens for the base are also super hard, hard to get graded. The centering was terrible on those cards. Uh, so the base PSA 10 actually sell for more than the silver PSA 10, sorry, silver PSA nine. Um, like we're seeing with Trey. And I just think that that's totally backwards. I think the silver PSA nines for sure should be more valuable than the base PSA tens. Hey, uh, Aaron, you mind if I grab a couple of these comments over here real quick and comment? Yeah, go on? for it. Yep. Okay, so there's there's a couple comments about the Lou Bob thing, and I just want oh, to yeah. I just want to 
to take some of these real quick. Uh, Andrew Kennedy, Kyle Lewis will regress sharply. Huge Emps fan and want him to succeed, but way too much risk. Older plus injury. Um, I uh, don't disagree with you on the injury risk and also strikeout uh, strikeout wise. Huge, huge problem if he doesn't hit the ball hard, kind of like uh, uh, our guy. Uh, why can't I think of his name? Keston here. Um, but I don't think you should hold older against him. I know he is older, 25 this past year. Uh, 25 and 112 days, July 13th, 1995 was his birthday. Um, but I don't think you can hold that against him because he lost so many years because of injury in the minors. So he's kind of developing, um, if you will, as like a 23 year old at this point, instead of a 25 year old. Um, so I'm not going to hold being older against him. Uh, Matt S says, uh, Robert Jordan, uh, Lewis, Bobachet. uh, I disagree with that mainly because Jordan is probably a DH long-term Kyle Lewis, huge strikeout stuff. And uh, Lewis Robert, same issues. Uh, I'm taking Boba at the front of that list, not at the end of that list, um, Matt, but uh, you know, to each their own. And then I feel like, Oh yeah. Um, it's all about upside with Robert. The guy is electric and he's on a team that will consistently be going to the postseason. Doobie collects. Uh, yes, it is all about upside and it's all about, like we're talking about, it's all about hype. Um, stats don't necessarily matter all the time when it's about hype, uh, in the sports card market. But, uh, as for going to the postseason constantly, most of the White Sox money is locked up in their, uh, uh, position player side. And so if they don't get the pitching to, um, work out as well as the position players have, I could see that they are will not be going to the postseason consistently. Um, it's going to take some development on their side. You know, they've got Dane Dunning as a prospect, and they've got Lucas Giolito and Michael Kopech if he ever plays again and this and that. But um, I wouldn't say consistently because there is some major question marks on the pitching side. That's all Jordan, Jordan Hudson coming in, hot, coming in hot. If you're watching and find any value in what these two are saying, let's hit that like button for them. They do send out a free list of poop to buy to, to, to yeah exactly kid friendly uh all of us for free uh thank you jordan for that comment we do try to do everything we can for free and to help others out there so if you guys do find value in what we're doing please hit that like button it helps us get our channel out there to more people for sure first thanks for answering my question last session amazingly thorough what are you looking for in autograph cards vertical horizontal do you strictly buy graded due to autograph variances best auto worst um, I it's a that's a very loaded question. There's a lot of differences in that question. I just categorized it to what do I look for an autograph? I'm looking for if it's a sticker autograph, it better be a major brand. So Prism rookie auto PSA 10 there of Luka Doncic. That is a sticker auto, but it is on Prism. And I do like it for that fact. I don't like sticker autos, but I do like it from an investment standpoint because it's Prism. It's low pop and people really want to buy that card. Uh, when it comes to cards, I personally would enjoy like definitely patch auto on card. It's if it's not a major brand like Prism or National Treasures or Immaculate, um, it's and it's you know something like Noir, which is one of my favorite products. It's got to have an autograph on card and a patch really helps as well. So we see that one there selling for sixty two hundred dollars. And then if it's coming down to what is the best of the best when it comes to autograph, you're looking at on card autograph with a patch. From the biggest brands out there. So National Treasures and Immaculate. Uh, that Luca Horizontal RPA right there, numbered out of 25 BGS9 for 3200 isn't even close to the best Luca RPA in that set. 
Uh, the vertical one is much better, superior. Uh, it's the one that everyone wants, which is why the 9.5 is worth like 250K for the out of 99 patch auto. Uh, I guess if I'm talking about like investment wise, it's still worth buying the horizontal just because people want the card and it's worth a ton of money and people are always going to want a Luca national treasures auto. I see a quick comment in the chat here. Noir doesn't grade well. Thick cards like the sneaker spotlight. Very true. The backsides of the sneaker spotlight are totally destroyed. BGS eights to 8.5 is normal on that. Those still sell for a ton of money because the fact that they're super tough grades. And then also we have the immaculate patch auto on card acetate uh, number rookie auto number to have 77. It's for the Lucas Jersey number, but that's why I look for it's gotta be a huge brand. If it's a sticker auto, it's gotta be on card and a patch. If it's not one of the major on card patch auto brands or the best of the best is going for your NT or immaculate uh, in the basketball world. And a lot of that can be applied to football as well. Lots of similar brands there. And also optic on card autographs is another on card auto that people, you know, really chase and contenders as well. Just for those of you that are looking for different sets that, you know, to look into just because we don't just want to focus solely on patch autographs. There are non patch autographs that do very well contenders and optic, which I do like as well. Hey, Aaron, um, if I can take yep. a question or a, a comment in the comment section here real quick. Sure. Um, from uh, John Ro Ro Rosie, Rosie, mm -hmm. Rosie, John from John, at least. <laughs> uh, baseball is different from other sports in that players may not succeed right away. Lots of value in post hype players like Yelich, who hit his stride a few years after debuting. That's a good reminder to all of us, and I am guilty of this myself is that a guy comes up and does not pull a Juan Soto right away, and all of a sudden you're disappointed in him and moving on. Um, so a good reminder that while uh, Luis Robert. I don't really know what to make of him. A 101 OPS plus is pretty good for a guy that, uh, you know, just got called up. Being 1% better than league average is nothing to sneer, uh, sneer at. Just like last year when Vlad Guerrero Jr. got called up, number one prospect in baseball, but he put up a 105 OPS plus, and that was a disappointment. Uh, despite the fact that we should not be, uh, you know, against, uh, you know, 5% better than league average. So it's a good reminder. I do find it funny, you know, post high players like Yelich is a second point that I want to bring up, which is a really good uh, thing to point out is that Yelich was really, really good with the Marlins. We are talking 112 OPS, 115, 118, 135, 120 in Miami. Uh, that is a very, very good player every single year. The lowest uh, OPS he had was was 12% uh, better than league average, all the way up to 35% better than league average as a Marlin. So sometimes not all post-hype players are the same. Sometimes you get a guy called up like Luis Robert, and he just doesn't do as good as people expected, even though he's still a solid player, and prices go down. And then he hits his, you know, he might hit his uh, stride like Yelich did in Milwaukee by moving parks, and uh, prices go through the roof. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to have a player succeed. They're not all going to be Juan Soto. And also, even if a player is successful, sometimes it's just not enough unless it's an exciting success. Like Yelich was a really nice player, but just wasn't exciting. He became exciting when he started hitting 40 home runs in a season. There we go. All right. Next question. Which two do you invest in John Zion or Anthony Edwards and Lamella ball? I think that this question should take us maybe like a minute tops. Uh, I, I can't even begin to think why I would or anyone would choose Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball over Ja and Zion, who are going to be two of the top NBA players for years to come when Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball, we don't even know if they'll be, you know, decent at any level. Um, I think it's a no brainer here, especially, and there's a, actually a question in the live chat that came 
about uh what do you guys think about the the new release products for 2020 2021 nba is it trash um i would say for investment standpoint yeah absolutely do not buy it uh, you're most likely going to lose money sell these sports cards thanks for the question but if you're looking at the lamella ball down there uh numbered auto out of five sold for eleven hundred and fifty dollars zion prism silver psa 9 the most recognizable brand and investment wise uh card out there is l- worth less than that take that money buy the zion if you're looking for investments only um if you're looking to collect and want to collect lamella ball and autographs and whatever you guys want to do go ahead do it but if you're looking for roi what, where should i be putting my money do not let it be in those new nba uh products that are coming out especially close to release because you're gonna be overpaying as well do you agree with me on that nate I uh, yeah, I definitely agree. All right, uh, moving on then. Moving yeah. on. All right, we got a bit a long one here. I'm not going to read the entire thing. Uh, he said some uh, nice words here for sure that he was listening to our advice and everything and was doing well, which is a uh, very nice. Thank you very much. But at the very end, would you recommend buying PSA nines and having volume or PSA tens and maybe only having one or two of those cards? This is a very classic debate that gets brought up time and time again. Do you? go for more cards in a lower grade or less cards in a higher grade. It's it's tough because everyone does want those tens. The tens are obviously expensive and the most valuable and the most sought after for good reason. For me, I would mix it up. I really do like nines. I like them a lot. If you follow our emails, you'll see a lot of nines in the emails. I think that getting in on cards for cheaper amounts is something that is very valuable because not everyone has that $1,350 to spend on a Luca PSA 10. But people have, I mean, not everyone, but people who are looking to buy Lucas, you know, more a majority of people would have that $400 to go in on the PSA 9. Um, It's still the same card. There's probably like one thing that's different on the card to make it a 9 versus a 10, which, you know, if you're thinking about like, is it's more valuable for a reason. That's why it's a PSA 10. Um, I still think that the PSA 9 is a a great investment. and, And I think that if you're looking to buy bulk, go nines if you're looking to get a bunch of a one player go nines if you want to just have a couple cards in your collection are worth a ton of money that can definitely trend higher faster um then go with go with the tens i think that you can't necessarily do it wrong as long as you're buying the nines and tens um i think if the player is going to do well if the demand is going to come if it's going to go up in value both are going to go up in value uh but i think it's fun to get high amount of nines if you can go and get a trey a diamond mitchell and a Zion PSA nine silver versus only getting a Zion PSA nine silver. Um, you know, why would, why would you not? And also it's going to be less than that too, I think. Hey, uh, since yeah. I'm keeping track of the comment section, a, a quick way to my heart is by re- re- uh, asking me a specific question by putting my name in it. And I always at least answer one. If you put Nate, I don't answer them all because sometimes people just be like, oh, Nate, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Nate, blah, blah, blah. And then you can't get around to also, it. Also, because we're at 50 minutes right now, we're only halfway through a presentation. Well, we're at 50 minutes. Um, so, Nate, how do you feel about Christian Pache? I will say uh, his walk percentage has been trending in the right direction year after year. Um, but the and the power has been kind of trending in the right direction, still not a ton of power, but he still is a defensive and base running guy over a hit tool. So you're really, really gonna need his hit tool or power to play up in the majors for him to be a viable uh option for investment wise. I usually stay away from defensive defensive first guys, um, like Christian Pache for that reason. Um, so you're really, really taking a big gamble on his hit and power tool. 
We are 51 minutes through and we have 125 viewers. So thank you all for joining who's in here so far. We're going to keep rolling with these questions, but feel free to make some comments in the live feed as Nate's keeping track and y'all are talking to each other. I really appreciate all the viewers today for sure. Um, why are football cards going down on good players like Lamar and Mahomes? So we're going to cover Lamar later, but we have Mahomes right here. Uh, recently, October 29th, 4,400 4, and 4,700 on Mahomes PSA 10s, 72.50 around the season start on September 4th. And obviously Mahomes had an amazing game yesterday, five touchdowns or 400 yards. Uh, we haven't had a sale come since that game. So we don't know if it's going up a couple hundred bucks, but it's around the, you know, that 45 to $5,000 value. Um, I think it just, people got way too excited for something that wasn't going to be able to be sustainable. Um, sending a card up from, you know, around 2000 to 7,000, some dollars in the span of a couple months is dangerous. And, it's even more dangerous when you think about how well Mahomes has played and that's gone down in value like that. I think that, um, you know, peak hype for football season is right before it starts and uh, you're either selling there or you're holding because you think your player is going to win MVP or Super Bowl and pretty much comes down to that. Um, I think you just got to think about it that way. And if you didn't sell it at the peak, um, there's definitely going to be another chance because if Mahomes wins MVP in a second Super Bowl already and another Super Bowl MVP, this card's for sure going to go up in value. Um, but you just got to understand, you know, what, what's up with the market? How does it move? It's low in the off season. Then it just goes crazy. And this year we saw it at an even more exemplified look because of all the new people in the marketplace want to find something new to buy with the basketball season winding down with the timing of that, even because normally we don't have that basketball season going at that moment. Um, and it really was just this perfect combination for the football market to like quadruple in value in the span of five months. Um, and that's what happened. And, you know, that's why we see this Mahomes dropping. I don't think it has anything to do with, you know, what their performance on the field is, especially for Mahomes. $200 with basketball coming up. Where do I put it? Into basketball. Um, that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to let you do your research on your players. Look at your prism, your select, your optic. If you're into autographs, contenders, optic, national treasures, prism, immaculate. Um, just dump into basketball. You guys have probably seen our videos by now. If you haven't, I've you know we did some live streams talking about basketball and why it's so important to be looking into it right now, especially over the last week with seeing some uh, big basketball rookie cards start to tick up in value. Uh, Giannis has went up like $200 in the past week. Also, um, those are all small indicators that the overall market's starting to shift up or it could in the future um, as dates start to get announced for return to play and whatnot. And I think that, you know, look at basketball right now, if, if that's, you know, it's on your mind, it's, of course, with basketball coming up. So just dump into there and the players you like and those brands and PSA graded, especially because now you won't get your cards back before the season starts unless you pay for a super fast service. So just buy the graded if your plan is to flip during the season. Buy, sell, or hold on Lamar Jackson. Looks like his prices skyrocketed in August, but they've steadily slid down since then. Uh, same vein as the Mahomes top topic is that, yes, 2700 to 945 Nate, looking for your thoughts a little bit on Lamar with the buy, sell, or hold. Uh, if you saw last night, he lost to the Steelers. Um, they, you know, last I could play, didn't get, didn't get in the end zone. But what are you thinking on Lamar going forward? Um, well, I don't think it's necessarily just Lamar, but also, you know, like you said, the whole the whole football card market is just not not trending the way you would like to see a trend. But yeah. as for Lamar, the Ravens um, haven't been as exciting. They're five and two on the year, but you know, you're losing to the Steelers yesterday, your arch enemy. Uh, Lamar has a 60% completion percentage for 1,300 uh, yards in seven games, 12 touchdowns to four interceptions. 
Um, and then also, if I can get his rushing yards here real quick, uh, he's got 411 rushing yards, two touchdowns. Um, I think when you have a a MVP season like that, right, and you blow up the entire league, you're expecting huge things the next year. And 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns in seven games, along with two rushing touchdowns and 400 yards rushing, just does not move the needle enough for people to be super excited into Lamar Jackson after what he did last year. Um, and I think that's all you're saying is that he just did not. It's like Pete Alonzo. I always talk about Pete Alonzo. His price has skyrocketed because he hit 50 home runs. If he doesn't hit 50 home runs again, where is the price going to go? Because people are expecting an encore that good. If he doesn't have an encore that good, and I know it was a 60-game season, price go back down. Lamar Jackson is probably just seeing the same thing. Yeah, we have a comment here in the live feed from Doobie Collects. Don't get me started with football. I'm staying away from that sport. I took more hits than Carson Wentz this year. I learned to stick to my guns, NBA, NHL, and MLB. Uh, if you've followed our content for the last year to two, I think you could pretty obviously tell that Nate and I are way lower on the football car market versus NBA, uh, MLB, and even other markets as well. Um, but with with football, it was way too much gain, way too fast for a market that is extremely risky due to injuries. Uh, one week of performances each time and can really sway it poorly. Um, and then even if I just don't think that there's that big of a market outside of the top quarterbacks and too many things gain value too fast. And if you bought towards the top, it's really hurting right now, I'm sure. Yeah. And that's why that's exactly why for the last two years we haven't really given you know that much shine on football just because we just don't think that it's as sustainable as a market, especially when it goes up four times leading up to the season. Yeah. Hey, uh, quick, quick little like two second comment here. Best MLB prospect for 2020. Um, not necessarily going to play in the MLB, but if you guys didn't see Marco Luciano last night, he's 19 years old, shortstop prospect for the Giants, would bat, exit velocity, home run of 119 miles per hour. I knew you were going to say his name. I was waiting. 19 year old shortstop. 119 mile per hour exit velocity with a wood bat. That is unbelievable. That is Giancarlo Stanton territory exit velocity right there. Ooh, a 19 year old. That's huge. Basketball or Pokemon? Where's the better place for hedging for a short term flip strategy? So if you're looking to you know play some markets and see if you can make some money in the short term, what would you be looking at? Or you know us are just recommending um, basketball. 100% with the season upcoming and you know we don't know when yet I've said a ton this live stream same thought goes into here um, I think Pokemon's a huge long-term play huge brand huge franchise the biggest in the world in terms of entertainment and uh, revenue and stuff 90 billion dollars or something um, but I, I do believe in it really hard long term but in terms of short term for sure basketball I think that Pokemon uh, first edition P high grade PSA market or not even first edition, the limited market. Charizards we're seeing for $4,000. PSA 9 still right now uh, probably has some uh, some drop potential due to the same exact thing we're talking about with football. Anytime something explodes in price that fast, we can see drops pretty quick after. Um, similar thing might happen there, but that's why I'm just going with basketball. Of course, also because the market's just so big in basketball and people have been in it now for a couple of years really buying and selling hard. Hey, when does when does Disney buy Pokemon out and start making live action movies of uh, Pokemon? That'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. <laughs> all right, Nate, this is all you. 
Was intrigued by the lower prices of Cody Bellinger during the playoffs. Thought he was going to pop off during the World Series. Think he still may be underrated as the kid has lots of years to get multiple MVPs. What would you go after for CB? High, low risk right now for a long-term hold. Well, obviously, I'm going Bowman Chromato, as you can see here. And you can see the prices. These are all November 1st. This is a base card, 500 base auto, $575. Actually, I should enlarge this so I can see what the shipping actually was. Uh, yeah, $525. And then uh, a blue out of $150 for $2150. And a refractor for $790, uh, BGS, all BGS 95s. Um, if you go back to the start of the statistics here on eBay, uh, BGS 9.5, they were going for like 900 bucks um, in August. And uh, I would go after Bowman Chrome. I think he has too much Tops Update. Uh, Tops Chrome, Tops Chrome Update, Tops Update. Um, and then like All-Star Game cards and ho Tops Holiday cards. Um, just he has a billion cards for yeah. Tops Flagship and Tops Chrome. He really does. But you know what you're getting in Bowman Chrome, right? So I would go there. As for as for Cody Bellinger himself, there is some risk here because he had a really good year, and then he had an off year, and then he had a good year, and then he had an off year. Um, he hasn't shown consistency yet. And so if you're not consistent, you know, you may end up be buying into a guy off of one of his high years and be waiting a while until you're able to sell again. Good stuff. All right. This is another question about the Pokemon market. So talking about, you know, there's no careers as with sports cards. There's no off season. So careers, you know, they don't actually end in Pokemon. Charizard is going to continue to get a ton of cards produced. And the, the value of Charizard and the hype around Charizard with people in the Pokemon space is continued, is going to, you know, continue to grow as time goes on. Basically, in the end, asking, has a bunch of cards, should he be selling right now, built a sweet collection, or should, is there a chance it keeps going up? Um, I would 100% be hedging some of your high-end Pokemon cards if you can right now because you have so much profit banked if you bought in the last eight months, even way before that, obviously. But even in the last six to eight months, you'd be making so much money on them. Why not secure some profit and guarantee that you made money on that investment? And then also hold some others because we believe in the brand long-term, and you probably do too if you have that much stuff. Um, just a little graphic down there is that the PSA nine unlimited Charizards, which there's 4,000 some out there, um, in the PSA nine pop report is down to around $4,000, but it peaked around 5,000. But like I've been saying, it was around 900 to 1500 for a long time, even as of two or two months ago. So it's made people a lot of money. Uh, you can't really hate on a card if it goes from 5,000 down to 4,000, if it was at like 500 to a thousand for most of the year, um, you know, it's up to you though. All I'm saying is if you have a bunch of it and you can make a bunch of money out right now, why not take some of that profit for sure? And then hold some too and then keep buying in, in new Pokemon releases if you want uh, and other old ones, whatever you want to do with it. But I think there's just some ways to be smart about it. Make sure you're taking some profit and hedging. Also, we're over an hour and there's still over 100 listeners here and viewers. So re we really thank you for that. Uh, hit that like button and subscribe if you have not already too. Where's hey, a good uh, place to... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, quick, uh, quick comment. David says, you guys always hated on Bellinger. He is way undervalued for production. Um, David, I don't necessarily hate on Bellinger. I just don't love how inconsistent he is and feel like 
he's a bigger risk for a former MVP than other guys. That's all. I still like the guy. I still think he's very talented in his off season. His off years are still good years. Just I don't like swings where you have like an eight win above replacement season. And then the next year you have like a three or four win above replacement season. I don't want to see that. I'd rather it be like, you know, six, 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 eight, six across the board. Fair enough. All right. Got one here from Miguel FT 25 and asking about so many of the significant Pokemon cards are so expensive. What do I do to get involved? And I'm just going to show you guys a really quick tip and trick on how to get involved. Um, our screens are going to increase here, and then I'm going to have to add a new screen. Uh, Trying to do this midstream, so bear with me. And go to this website. Here we go. Nate, can you see the website on the screen? Yes, yeah, sir. TCGplayer.com. It is really that easy. You go to TCGplayer.com. You do some research on which sets have came out recently, which there's other websites to tell you that. Just look up modern Pokemon sets, and then you type in the name of the set. And I just know a bunch from looking at eBay and everything. But Hidden Fates is one of the newer sets right here. So Hidden Fates and Hidden Fates Shiny Vault. Um, this one's a little different because there's two different sets here. The Shiny Vault one's the one where the good cards are out of, even though it's the same set. But in TCG Player, they separate, separate it. But basically, you can go here. You can sort from high to low based on the market value. And the market value in TCG Player is way different than what eBay might be. Um, because on TCG player, they do buy and sell a lot of damaged cards because this is actually for people playing the game. But it's a good way just to get a view of what how the cards are ranked by value. And you can just go on eBay, look up any of these cards, look at what they're selling in PSA 9, look at what they're selling in PSA 10, see the differences from non-graded, try to find some maybe near mint to mint condition ones, grade them up. Um, there's just a lot of ways to get involved by just looking at this website and even looking at the newest champions path set, which so many people have heard about and are chasing um, from, you know, really everywhere in, in sports and whatnot. But even now this set is way worse than, than hidden fates. These two Charizards are huge. They're the biggest cards in the set. But after that, there's really not much. They show the packs here as well. And then you can get a look at what different cards are in the set. Like I said, look up the graded values. Um, just so many different ways to look up different sets. I'll just show one more. Cause this sets from back in, uh, 2004 i want to say this is fire red and leaf green set and, and now you can start to see some older cards and how much the values are and then go to ebay and look up the psa cards look up the non-graded just you know so many different ways to look at it pick out your favorite pokemon you can type in any of them as well i'll just do uh blastoids because charizard's got like a million cards and that would take forever and i'll click enter and then we will see the top blastoids cards and that's how you can get involved in different pokemon that you enjoy um, there's just, so, there's so many different ways to use this website and to research. And I've done a lot of it myself, so I know exactly how to use it. And I'd recommend you too, as well. If you want to learn, um, really don't want to sit up here and just say, go buy this set, go buy that set. Cause there really is a lot of personal preference that comes with it. Um, uh, but I, I do want to help teach you how to learn yourself and use eBay and use PSACard.com. Please look at pop reports, extremely important. And you will, uh, you'll learn a lot. Trust me. If you do the research and go on, also do something else is subscribe to pokey rev on uh youtube super awesome guy live streams a ton uh you'll learn a ton there too and you can just start to really learn a lot uh doobie collect says only card i wanted from pokemon is the pikachu mario out of my range now yeah i want that card too but it's super expensive maybe someday i can get it uh how do you decide whether to list the card on ebay as an auction or buy it now listing nate i'll give my thoughts i'm sure you have thoughts on this as well and you can go but basically it comes down to is there a set market price for the card? If yes, 
you can pretty much auction it and guarantee yourself you get close to the market value. If there's like, if it's a Luka Doncic PSA 10 Prism rookie, everyone knows what the value is. You should probably know what's going to end around if you end it within, you know, five to seven days. Granted, market swings can happen in, in that time. But if you have a card that's a really low pop card that collectors are looking for that you can maybe capture a really high dollar amount with, um, auction works well there as well because people are going to want to bid it up and get that card. But buy it now, you can set a pretty high price and or best offer feature, and you can start to gauge your own market and just get something that you're happy with. Um, and you make a lot of money on it if you did grade it yourself and you can you know determine how you sell it. Auction, like I'm saying, is good with, I guess, high supply cards you know the value of. Buy an hour best offer feature, good for more scarce cards that you can really try to see what your true value is. Nate, what do you think? Um, I look at it a little different way in that, do I have a card that I just want to sell and get rid of? I put it on auction and I take whatever I can get. Um, if I have a card that I really like, but could let it go for a certain amount, uh, then I will definitely put on a buy it now with a best offer and field best offers. And if they just aren't good, I'll hold on to it. And if somebody finally bites or gets close with a best offer, then I take it. But it's mostly for me, it's do I want to move it or not? There you go. That's I think both these combined is a good way to think about it. Who would be the best value buy at this point between Tyler Hero, Michael Porter Jr., and Shea, all young players who seem to be on the verge of breaking through? So I pulled up their PSA 10 base prism rookie prices because it's the easiest to track the values for. This is not saying go and buy one of these three cards, do ample amount of research between the different sets, the variations, the parallels, all that stuff. But easy way to get a market read on how these three compare to each other. PSA 10 Tyler Hero is around 225, and then MPJ and Shea are both around 205. Um, I think, first of all, I think that Shea would be lower if his PSA 10 rate wasn't so hard to get, if it wasn't so hard to get PSA 10s. So I think that probably MPJ is like, I guess, based on market cap would be higher, higher meaning more people are spending more money on Michael Porter Jr. versus Shea. Um, but if it's up to me and I have around 200 $225 to spend, I think I'm going with Shea. One, because of the low pop. Two, because between these three guys, he really seems like the dude that could be a number one or number two in the short term. I'm sure MPJ could be a number one or number two in the longer term. But that Nuggets team is totally loaded, which does help him get you know more shine, more playoff games. Tyler Hero, awesome player from Greenfield, Wisconsin. Like Love to see him do well. I just don't see him being ever above a three option on that heat team with Bam and Jimmy Butler, at least, you know, in terms of like who are the star players here. And that's what kind of worries me with him is going for 225 and not being a one or two option. Um, can you really, you know, be that valuable going forward, which is why I'm picking Shea. I don't know if you have different differing thoughts on that. No, I completely agree. You, you, you look at two guys that have bona fide stars in front of them, Jamal Murray and Jokic and Butler and, at a bio and then you look at Shea who CP3 is probably going to get traded and Gallinari is a free agent and all of a sudden you look around and it's Shea and even if CP3 is still there Shea is still super effective with CP3 Shea is super good with CP3 but he could be the only guy in town without CP3 yeah and then we have a live feed uh, comment here MPJ is a higher ceiling in my opinion definitely true I think the MPJ probably does have the highest ceiling of all these guys but think about how long you have to wait to hit that ceiling or get those returns um, versus with Shea. I think that you have a really good short-term and long-term projection. Uh, MPJ, I we do really like him too. I know uh, Sam, Sam loves him as well. I think people forget that MPJ was the number one high school recruit. Maybe people don't, don't, but the number one high school recruit in the nation. 
and was going to be the number one pick, presumably, until he got injured with a back injury. Uh, so if you look at it that way, you know, there is there is definitely huge upside. Obviously. I agree there, but for sure. But then that's what brings me back to the team situation, at least, you know, for now. If we're looking at Virgil breaking through, I think it's for sure Shea between these three. Of course, also Andrew Wiggins was the number one prospect in uh, high school. And we and all number one draft day. Yeah. Crazy. When will people realize that the long wait times at PSA are due to people grading cards that have no business there in the first place? Example, Junk Wax, Air Hall of Famers, and Ultra Modern. No-name rookies. Can you imagine a $1 box at an LCS local card shop five years from now filled with meaningless slab PSA cards? Thanks, guys. I do actually agree with this, that you think about 2019 prison basketball and how many guys that will probably in three years not even be playing basketball are at PSA right now. And there's probably a lot. And it goes for other sports. It goes for old, uh, older cards like Junk Wax cards, I guess he's talking about. I don't really have as much thoughts on that because I know people still want those cards in PSA grades. But I think that there's probably something to do here with how cheap the uh, with how cheap the, the grading fees were for some time. It made sense to grade a ton of stuff. They increased the, the price to grade stuff, uh, grade your cards now. And actually, it's probably detracting people from grading certain cards, um, which I think it for sure is, which is hopefully going to lower the wait times and also – as they're bringing in robotic automation in their shipping and receiving department and uh, research department, that should help as well. But I actually do really agree with this comment. As as for the finding a bunch of PSA graded cards in the $1 box, I can confirm that that is happening right now. You find, if you go, uh, when I used to work at Bruton, you go over to the dollar boxes and there'd be random PSA graded cards there. I'm just like, who in their right mind would have ever graded this so and so? Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna, and you see it on eBay, and you're gonna see it for years to come at shows, and and and, and another, another point is, uh, is that there's cards that don't, good, cards of good players that don't belong in grading piles because somebody sends them a PSA five, PSA six because they don't know what they're looking at, and all of a sudden guys are wasting their time grading PSA five, six, sevens when that should never be a thing. And now, if you think about PSA, I've heard from many different people that they've for sure gotten stricter recently. And I think that's also something that they're trying to do to detract more submissions, which is interesting. I I don't, you know, it's a whole nother topic of discussion some other day that we can cover. But uh, yeah, I think they'll see that happening. Uh, Crazy Piggy, True Gold. I would buy True Gold. The question was, would you buy a PSA 9 True Gold Bowman 1 or PSA 10 Orange Wave? Wait, Bowman first. Yeah, yeah, I see. True gold for sure, hundred percent. I don't even think it's really close at all. Nope. All right, Nate, this is for sure you. Uh, will there be a twenty twenty tops update Chrome this year? I don't see it on the release calendar. So I spent a good hour of my afternoon uh, surfing blog cards forums and surfing other parts of the internet, uh, trying to find anything I could. Surfing Twitter trying to find anything I could on Topps Chrome update. And I was came up negative. I could not find anything about a Topps Chrome update product. So I just put it in here because I wanted the, you know, whoever sent it in to know that we didn't just ignore it. And I did do research trying to find it. Couldn't find it anywhere. I do not know if there will be a Topps Chrome update. But- if it's as bad as the Topps update checklist, then I would suggest that they don't and save the money on printing the cardboard. So 
Nate just alluded to it, but today they released the rookie checklist for 2020 update baseball, tops update baseball, which Nate will be covering on Thursday's Digging Corners video. So we will not be spending any more of this live stream talking about it, but make sure that you head over to that video on Thursday to for sure listen to Nate's take on the set. I cannot spend much time on this because I know nothing about it, but hello, what do you think of the rookie card market for Formula One? Do you think the Michael Schumacher rookie card sold for 710 is a good price? Thanks. Um, I literally know nothing about Formula One. I couldn't tell you a single racer of ever that's raced in Formula One until I looked up some stuff today about this uh, from Quinton. I don't. I cannot tell you if this is a good buy, but I just want to put it in here because it's funny to me to see a uh, Formula One BGS9 sell for $715. The guy's got to be a living legend. Uh, if that card's worth that much money, and then also tops now, there are some tops now cards, I guess, from Formula One this year. I know they're making some on demand sets for Formula One and uh, Lewis Hamilton rookie 65 bucks. So I will say that's the highest selling Formula One tops card on eBay. So the market's super small, but it's literally the highest sold top Formula One tops card. I don't know if you're laughing at me or if you're looking at something else. D Nation says, My cat just literally ate the corner of my Ansu Fatty, uh, Fatty, 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 yeah, uh, mega card. It was in a soft sleeve getting ready to clean. I can't believe this, that, dude. Nate, do you know what that card is? No, but it's funny, <laughs> dude. It's a hundred, it's like 150 bucks, and PSA eights are like 409s or 810s are like oh, 3,000. No. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. You, you guys owe me a card. Should have never started watching. LOL. I'm so mad. Well, I hope that you find good value in this uh, in this live stream, and you can make over 150 bucks on it, or whatever your card would have created. Oh, that is a rough one. Uh, Cash and Cultura says, "What's good, Slap Socks? I appreciate this live. Thanks so much for joining. All over 100 people watching still to this point. Hit that like button so more people can see it. We're wrapping up here. We got like four more slides left. Uh, I know we're over an hour, but it's a fun time on here." Thinking long-term for iconic GOAT-type players, LeBron, Brady, Trout, Kobe, and others with multiple rookie cards, is it better to own multiple high-grade rookies from various products or one high-grade grail-type rookie of that player? So I have a really easy example here. Nate and I are just going to pick one and give brief thoughts on it. But 2003 Topps Chrome LeBron PSA 10 between $8,900 and $9,400 uh, on October 29th. You could buy a LeBron PSA 10 Bowman Chrome for 4600 a Fleer EX Acetate PSA 9 rookie for 2000 which, by the way, is one of my favorite LeBron rookie cards of all time, and a LeBron BGS 9 First Edition Tops, which is very rare. First Edition Tops BGS 9 for 1800 and all of those still come out to less than the Tops Chrome PSA 10. So I pretty much made, I think, a perfect example for us to decide here. Would you rather have one Topps Chrome PSA 10 rookie or these three? I'd rather have the one really good one. You think, really? PSA 10 that I can just sit on for years. So this is the this is would be, I'd say, the, the Grail LeBron card. And if you're into that type of thing, you'd want that like Nate. Dude, I kind of find some nice value here, though. Three different cards, two of them pretty rare, and then one of them a low-pop Bowman Chrome PSA 10. That I'm liking that, but also I do see I do see why you'd want the one card, why you want to hold that, you know, that Grail LeBron. I'm I'm just seeing so much opportunity between see, three and si- saving like 500 bucks. See, I understand the value play, but as somebody who is playing with fake money right here because I'm not rich enough to buy a nine thousand dollar card, 
I would want the one if I'm spending nine thousand dollars on a card. I'm probably not like being like, oh man, I'm going to flip this in a month. So I want the one that is iconic that I can just hold on to forever, maybe show off for twenty five years, and then flip. I Nobody's get it. showing off two thousand flea, two thousand three flea or LeBron cards. Yeah. yeah, I guess I guess it's the collector in me that also likes these other ones though. But I get it. I get it. I, I think that you can't go wrong though. Come on, like spending nine thousand dollars on LeBron if you've got that money to spend. I mean, long term basketball market, sports car market grows, they'll grow as well with it. Uh we got some really nice love in here in the chat from from uh some of our followers. Eric and Cash, thanks so much. You're the reason we that I open my emails every day. We appreciate that because we spend a lot of time on them. Um, a lot of time. So any of you that read them out there, use them, click the links, buy some things. It helps us out immensely. It keeps us being able to do what we do, what we love. Um, and, and we really appreciate that. And Kasha, uh, thank you for telling people to hit the like button. It does uh, help us a lot as well. We got, how will the prospect cards in 2020 tops update compared to the Bowman first and tops rookie for a player in terms of value? Nate, hit this one. All right. So I alluded to this earlier. 2020 tops update is atrocious. Uh, the rookie checklist for rookie cards is non-existent. Um, rookie debuts and rookies of guys that you would not even keep in a rookie box um, long term. You know, you're just giving them away to your local card shop if you're ripping them. And so they had to do something different because most of those rookies, the Joe Adels of the world, is going to be in Tops 2021 Series 1. So they came up with prospect uh, cards where you see here the prospect checklist, 30 cards, parallels, blue, black, out of 299, gold out of 50, red out of 10, platinum out of 1. And then you have the list of names over here. Evan White, all the way down to Clark Schmidt. I won't read them all off because you can wait, read wait, them wait, all. wait, wait. You're you're telling me that there's a prospect checklist in the new Tops update that's not going to have rookie logos, but there'll be prospect Tops cards. Correct for the first time ever. Correct. They're not rookies. They're prospect cards. And where I'm at on this is why would you buy these if you already have the Bowman first prospect card with the first logo and the Bowman that people love and the Bowman auto first autos that people love. I don't understand why anybody would buy Tops Update prospect cards. Maybe if it's a one-off thing that only happens this year because of such a weird year, um, maybe it becomes like a cultural phenomenon in like 20 years or something where people are like, oh, this was a random thing. Let's buy this. But in the short term, I do not see any value in these Tops prospect cards. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people will like them more than I. And, you know, I'm only one person and I can't predict an entire market. So it depends on what other people like, but I just don't understand why you wouldn't buy Bowman first instead of the, uh, instead of buying these tops prospect uh, cards. I agree with you. I don't have much to say on it. Um, we do have one, one question left here that Nate's going to cover, but before getting to that, uh, Michael Brown earlier in the live stream made our first ever super chat donation for a question. Um, if any of you feel so inclined to, you know, make a donation and a, and a, and a question for us to answer, we will do so, uh, just submit it now before Nate gets to the last question, just in case, uh, you, you wanted to, just cause we'll be ending it after the last question, but we can get to that before we end it. If you submit it now and thanks so much, Michael Brown too. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, in all honesty, I submitted this question. Um, when looking at prospects to invest, what are some big things you look for? We're talking mostly baseball here. I submitted this because I think it's a good thing to talk about. But also, Aaron, if you wanted to cover what you look at in soccer or basketball or whatever, you know, feel free. But the reason I did this is because we didn't really talk about Bowman prospects at all uh, in the last 
six months because there wasn't going to be any minor league baseball season, but now minor league baseball season is back on the horizon next year. The minor league system is going to be different than what we know now because there's going to be fewer teams. Um, they're probably going to still cut the 40 teams that were supposed to be cut. Um, and, you know, it's going to look a lot different, but there's not going to be multiple teams with multiple rookie league teams or A minus A and A plus ball teams, you know. Um, but as for what I'm looking for, I just want to do a good reminder is that when I'm looking at prospects and hopefully when you're looking at prospects, you look at position. Is he a shortstop? Is he a second baseman? Is he an outfielder? You're probably doing pretty good. Is he a first baseman or a catcher? I'd probably stay away. Um, as for pitcher, is he going, does he profile as a relief pitcher long-term instead of a starting pitcher? If he does, does he have the most dominant stuff in baseball? You know, talking Shane, Baz, Nate Pierce, uh, uh, Pearson, um, they look like guys that could be the most dominant relievers in baseball if they don't pan out as starters. And the most dominant relievers in baseball are like 15 bucks for a Bowman Chrome prospect card. So I wouldn't pay more than that. So you're looking at position and uh, future role. Um, and then also, you know, looking at their stats, you know, I like high on base percentage guys as young guys, 18, 19 year old guy that has a good eye at the plate. And then if he can swing it a little bit, uh, with a good eye at the plate, I'm not too concerned about the defense. People don't pay for defense. Hopefully he has a lean frame that he can build some power. I'm thinking Geraldo Perdomo of the Diamondbacks as I'm talking. Um, and, you know, a guy like uh, didn't necessarily have a lean frame, but uh, uh, Randy Arozarena was a guy that had good contact but didn't have a ton of power, hits quarantine, puts on 40 pounds of muscle by doing 500 push-ups a day and all of a sudden adds power to a frame. So I'm looking at guys like that that have good contact and have a good eye at the plate but can add power. Um, so just something I always look at, and I think it's a good reminder for people that are going to start jumping back into prospect cards of what to look for. So that's why I added it in there. And you're looking at Julio Rodriguez here, who is uh, one of the guys that I have loved for a long time. Um, remind me of Juan Soto. He was 100. Aaron, when I told you to buy him or get into him, he was like, what, 120 bucks? Like we were at a card bucks, show yeah. and, and you bought one. Bucks. What? 100 bucks. 100 bucks. Um, and he had gone all the way up to like 300, something like that. Um, kid's a stud, and he has all the things I look for in a guy. So keep that in mind. A bunch of other people have different ideas about it. But remember when you're doing your prospect analysis to, uh, you know, always think about position and always try to find traits that are rare in young guys like you know, good eye at the plate on base percentage type of thing. And then something to dream on. If it's a big power, high strikeout guy, uh, you better hope that, you know, something works out like uh, always hitting for power. Ethan Hartman, welcome to the channel. It says a like and sub for my donation. That got me enough to answer your question here in the live chat. Uh, question, what mosaic NFL rookies would you say are worth it at this point? People like Claypool seem like an on-the-line decision but could end either way thoughts. I would not buy any Mosaic NFL rookies unless you are doing some grading and you're confident that you can grade well because of the fact that on the horizon is 2020 NFL Prism and I we are have yet to see a Mosaic release come before a mainline uh, Prism release. And I'm not sure what's going to happen to Mosaic when that, when that comes and I'd be worried that the card values are going to drop because the market just won't be as big because there's going to be more out there for people to buy. So I'd totally wait. If you're looking to buy Mosaic, you might be able to buy it for cheaper in the future, or you can buy the, the big Prism brand and look at Selecting Optic 2 as that starts to come out. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining. Ooh. That was awesome. 
One yeah, second, one second. Last thing, Doobie Collects. He said, I like a little defense in my prospects, keeps them on the field, but I totally agree with Nate. Uh, that is a fair point. I do think most teams will probably find a position for a guy, even if they're not good at it, to get the bat uh, on the field. But also, you know, you got guys like Jordan Alvarez who are finding a position but also are very bad at it and a net negative in the outfield. Um, and those are guys that might will most likely become DHs. That's when you got to worry about uh, defensive value. So uh, a fair point. That's all I was trying to say. Awesome. Good deal. Well, thank you everyone for joining over a hundred viewers for pretty much the majority of this live stream. This is our second Monday doing this. Uh, once again, a reminder, 5 PM Eastern time is when we go live. If you look in the description of this video, this live stream right now, you will see the link to next week's question submission form. That is where we got all the questions for this week from, and you can submit your questions there ahead of time, and we'll definitely go through them and decide what we include in the live stream. We wish we could answer them all. There's a ton that gets submitted, but uh, we'd be here literally all night if that were the case, but it's very fun. Uh, we do enjoy this a ton, and I thank you all for joining and liking the video and helping us get other people to subscribe to the channel as well. Uh, Nate, how'd it go today, you think? Oh, I love it. I love talking sports. I love talking cards. I love talking baseball. I enjoy talking a couple other things and maybe laughing at guys that get their $150 cards uh, uh, corners bitten off. Uh, a little mean-spirited of me. I didn't mean to laugh so much, but it's just a funny situation. But I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I thank everyone for their comments that they sent us and for the comments on the side here and for people uh, responding to each other. Uh, that was really nice to see. And that's probably my favorite part. Is the community. For sure. Definitely agree. And it, it really, you know, keeps us going too because we see a ton of people here saying hit that like button. Like that just, you know, keeps us energized, keeps us motivated to keep coming back every week to do this now. And uh, we're really excited for next week already. Definitely submit your questions beforehand if you want to get these thorough, uh, you know, in-depth, thorough responses that we're giving. It gives us a good chance to put together a presentation like this and really, you know, get into it from a, a different perspective versus on Instagram when we go live. It's really just one-off, like, rapid fire type of questions but we can definitely do some more research on here and also share a presentation which helps a ton so with that an hour and a half is the number that was how long we went today uh pretty much our target so thanks so much for joining everyone we will see you next week 5 p.m eastern time do not forget it tell your friends if they're into cards or tell your friends if they're not into cards and maybe they'll, they'll learn something too and uh, we can't wait to feel next week's questions so we will see you there next week at 5 p.m eastern time see ya see you guys